We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back on the Yin Snowball podcast, ready to continue our conversation, Brad, about this secondary for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're not necessarily looking at the players they have on the roster as much as we are the players that could be available to add to this roster uh, this offseason, both in the draft and in free agency. But just a reminder for people thinking about the safety position on this team, obviously you've got Minka Fitzpatrick under contract, Devontae KZ and Keanu Neal, who... Were the number two, number three safeties uh, during the season are both um, probably players that they need to cut. <laughs> and then Trenton Thompson flashed a little bit of times, but I think he's more be more of a can he make special teams. Elijah Riley, kind of the same thing. Darius Rush could be a nice developmental guy to have in camp. Killebrew is probably going to be your fourth safety. So you're probably looking for two safeties this offseason, I would guess, that they'll try to go into next offseason, their next season with Minkovitz Patrick, Miles Killebrew, and then two other safeties they feel pretty good about being a part of the rotation. And then Trenton Thompson, Darius Rush, Elijah Riley, maybe some guys. Well, Riley's a free agent, so he may may or may not be back. But guys like that more uh, that would be competing to like make the roster slash beat somebody out for a spot or make the practice squad, things of that nature. Do you see it pretty similarly? Definitely. Okay. So given that, we will jump into the uh, conversations around safety that are uh, around the league right now, free agency-wise. Antoine Winfield, what do you think the odds are? <laughs> He's the top free agent on uh, safety on your on your free agent rankings, Brad, at Pro Football Focus. Uh, I don't think Antoine Winfield is leaving Tampa Bay, and I don't think he's coming to the Steelers, even if he did. Yeah, you're obviously the Bucks guy. I would put it around 0% that he uh, doesn't get franchise tagged and or extended. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I can't speak to where he'd want to go if he did get out, but I, I don't even think it's worth uh, spending time discussing because he's not leaving. No, but it does set us up to kind of dive into this group position group just in general, I think right now and think about what, what are the Bucks looking for at this position? We talked about it, or sorry, what are the Steelers looking for at this uh, position group? We talked about it with corner and we said, I think you go big or you go Sean Murphy bunting one year, 4 million. You're a stopgap guy. We'll flood the position in the draft. We just don't want to go into the draft with like a gaping need. Like we have to find a starter corner in this draft because that's when you start reaching in the draft rather than just drafting the best player available or drafting the best player that's available, moving down the board perhaps. And you just, you have a way more sense of urgency when that's the case. So I think that's really important as a philosophy going to the draft is that you make sure you fill your holes adequately, but the problem is you're, if you can't get a top-end guy in one of the best of that position, like you don't want to spend on those middle-tier contracts at cornerback specifically. At safety, I feel a little bit differently in that the Steelers already have their high-paid safety, so they're not going to break the bank at this position to put a guy next to Minka Fitzpatrick, I don't believe. However, what can they do at this position that adequately fills the spot next to Fitzpatrick 
at a cost-efficient way for a player who isn't going to break the bank. After Winfield, who certainly is going to be at the top of the market as you know, are in the conversation for best safety in the league, your top two safeties are Kyle Duggar after after Winfield. Uh, so Kyle Duggar would be second uh, at twentieth overall in the in the free agent rankings, then Cam Curl at twenty one overall in the in the free agent rankings. You also have Xavier McKinney in there at forty three, and that rounds out your top group. Of Geno Stones in there at fifty two. There's good players on down the list. Any of the players at the top here? Let's just talk about Curl and Duggar, who you kind of project to get tagged. Duggar is kind of like a very unique player to the Patriots, right? Uh, in them tagging him, even though they've drafted to kind of they have Peppers, they have um, Mapu now, I believe. I don't know how you say his name, but um, who's there as well. So do you think he's pretty certain to go back to New England, given even given how many other players they have at the position, especially with Bill moved on now? Is that does Mayo like him like that? I guess. I don't know. It'll be interesting. It will be interesting. I'll be honest. Like that will change from a franchise tag to an outright projection at some point in the near future. I, I don't like skip over and put a placeholder to be lazy, but I, I do try to put these things out when there's still a month left in the season. So, you know, sometimes I want to see how things develop. For example, after my first initial list of safeties, like we saw a contract in the AFC North. Um, you know, go to Grant Delpit in Cleveland, which gives you another data point. Uh, for those that don't know, he got a three-year 36, I want to say is what it was, million-dollar deal. So $12 million a year. It just kind of helps paint a picture. You can then stack him up to the other safeties that are due right now, and he was going to be a pending free agent if they didn't extend him. So he's going to – I don't think he's going to get tagged. I, I do think you draft a Marte Mapu who fills a very similar role. You said Jabril Peppers as well has one year left, probably an extension candidate, was really, really, really good against the run this year. And Duggar is a box safety. Like, I think he is a good player. I think he's a freak athlete. He's also a 28-year-old player at the end of his – he was a really, really old rookie. Um, you know, kind of one of the pitfalls, even though he's been good. But uh, Bill Belichick's, you know, willingness to draft 24- and 25-year-olds was probably one of the, the things we should have known was a signal that he wasn't going to last a whole lot longer. So, no, I, I do think he makes it out. I like him. I, th- I mean, again, like he's – He's almost the guy where it's like Keanu Neal level, or I wonder if he becomes an, a linebacker at some point in his NFL career going forward. Because he just he he does struggle in coverage. I think for me, he's a phenomenal straight line athlete, but I think you see his feet get tangled up a little bit when he's moving laterally. He can cover tight ends, he can cover like bigger backs out of the backfield, but they put him in the slot sometimes on number three receivers, and it wasn't it didn't go particularly well. Like in breaking routes, the guys would just shake him. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I love him as a fit there. The next two, though, I think are really intriguing. So Cam Curl, again, because of the new regime, I think maybe isn't likely to get tagged. I could see it. But he's also a guy that when you're going to tag a safety and really make it a focal point, the ball production has not been there. He hasn't had an interception in two years. He had three his first year. I think he is one of those guys who is good at everything but isn't really great at anything. I mean, he's a seventh-round pick for a reason. I would say he's a good athlete, but he's not a special athlete by any means. He's in the right spot a lot of the time. I know the commander's secondary this year was an abomination. When I watched the tape, basically teams just said, where's Cam Curl? Where is Kendall Fuller? And let's just throw to everybody else on the defense. And Benjamin St. Juice got picked on. Obviously, Emmanuel Forbes, their first-round rookie, got benched because of how much he was getting picked on. Um, Like, Danny Johnson, the slot, is like an interesting player, but also got picked on. So that makes it hard to gauge, too. But anyway, I also will probably end up putting a projection for Curl. I think for both guys, let's just go to Curl because I think Duggar is just not really, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. I think Curl will end up in like the three years, 40 range, like still a pretty good contract. Um, but because of the draft capital and, and because of the lack of kind of the splash plays, I think it'll fall a little bit. He is top 10 among safeties and defensive stops the last couple of years. 
like I said, he's assignment sound. You can tell he's an important piece of the communication element on the back end. Like I think he is a leader of this secondary, which is cool to see from a you know seventh rounder. He was he was calling stuff out as a seventh round rookie um, that kind of burst into the lineup. They had Landon Collins under contract. They had like big name guys, and he kind of just kicked them out. Um, so I think he's definitely a good player, but. The one that I th- I think is the most intriguing might be Xavier McKinney. And I'm saying this facetiously in part. Uh, he's a perfect stealer because last year he uh, had an ATV accident and I think chopped the finger off and didn't play for about a month. So you're going to get some zaniness from Xavier McKinney. He uh, publicly bashed Wink Martindale and, and said that Wink didn't let them like have any freedom. And I don't know. You're bashing yeah. a guy who like every player in Baltimore that played for him seemed to love him. I mean, I'm sure he's a tough-nosed guy. I went and saw him speak at a um, – at a practice, he was cracking jokes. Like, yeah, he's an old school football guy. But anyway, he's a really McKinney good player. He played for Nick Saban. So, yeah, yeah, true, true. So, like, there is that element there, which I think is interesting because he's super, super talented. You see why he was an early draft pick. He is a very, very good athlete. Um, he takes on contact for his size, I think, fairly well. He still is kind of a deep third guy that can come down and make plays in the run, but like, he's not, you know, busting through blocks and, and, and like doing things of that nature. Uh, but but he's a really good player. He's rangy. Uh, his closing speed is impressive. This year in particular in coverage, he was really, really, really impressive. Um, again, like they were blitzing so much, not really getting home. And it was putting a ton of strain on all of their DBs in New York. And I thought he did the best of, of rising to the occasion. The rookie Deontay Banks got pretty comfortable down the second half of the year as well. But but he's one to me. I mean, just a couple stats here on him. So um, over the last three seasons, you know, seven yards per target in coverage, top 25 among safeties. He has 17 picks or forced incompletions, which was top 20 among safeties. And then his missed tackle rate was the 11th best mm-hmm. among all safeties that had at least 100 tackles, which was 89, you know, a sample size of 89 players. So, again, part of the lack of missed tackles because he's not like, you know, Buda Baker is going to miss more tackles than Xavier McKinney because he's trying to make tackles that McKinney wouldn't even think of making. But Really, really good athlete and a good football player. Uh, there is some kind of, you know, off-field zaniness going on there. But but I, I think he'd be an awesome fit next to Minka Fitzpatrick. And he's the beginning of the tier where, look, they're not going to spend top of market. But if it does fall in the 12, 13 million range, like maybe they do do that. You know, I, I don't know. But that, that's where it starts for me. Hmm. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, 
arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Really interesting. I just to touch on curl for a second. I think McKinney will get more more than curl. Uh, this unless the off field stuff and like the the reputation stuff just tanks him. Just a guess, but again, you said I mean he hasn't had a pick since 2020. That kind of stuff talks. So whether we think it does or not, or whether we care, oh every snap and it talks when it comes to money and free agency. If you haven't had a turn, you know that's hard to overcome. Now Curl is really solid player, and you mentioned the versatility. That's a big strength for him. Big strength for actually a lot of the guys we'll talk about um, today. And one guy that I I think actually could hurt his chances of being uh, on this team on the Steelers. But McKinney would be an interesting one from a talent perspective. I'd be interested in him um, for sure. Don't know about the other stuff. Uh, don't know about the cost either because he has had nine picks in a very short amount of time. And he's it, yeah. he's been really productive and a team could say, wow, get this guy in a situation where he's happy and we could have ourselves like a late blooming game changer at safety position. Wouldn't surprise me if that happens for him. Um, the other thing to talk about here is what did the Steelers want from the other safety that they get? To me, it's versatility. I think they want a guy that can do a lot of different stuff that isn't going to break the bank for them where they allows Minka to be I don't think they want to keep Minka out of man coverage. They want him to be the joker. They won't want him to take the top assignments. They want him to be the game wrecker, right? They, they want him to play single high. They want to bring him down and have him rob the middle of the field. Um, they want him uh, to be able to blitz off the edge. They want him in the box in sp- specific game situations. Like They want to feel like they can put him wherever they think the offense is going to attack. They want him to be got one of the, a guy that's in position to stop those things. And they want to have the flexibility to do that every week without worrying about your other safety being a clown. So I think... That's one of the big things that appeals to me about McKinney is that he can do a lot of different stuff. Curl can as well, but I don't know. Are they going to pay that much for safety? Like I kind of thought they maybe weren't like, you think it could be a possibility. I mean, they don't have a lot of their own guys to resign. They also don't have that much space. They want, you know, a move at quarterback is going to be important. Move at corner is going to be important. If they're paying top money for a corner, are they still able to get into this conversation at safety. This could be like a, maybe they get an SMB, but they're getting going to get the top safety available instead, other than Winfield, obviously. I, I'm not sure. That and that to me is a really interesting conversation with them. Also, safety in general, like you talk talk to me about the market, but from what I've known, like there's been a lot of players that have underachieved on the market at safety where you thought there was going to, okay, these are the guys, they're going to set the price, it's going to be a little higher, and then you get to contract time, and there's a couple guys that, that have played well recently. The teams are just like, yeah, you're not special enough for me to want to spend money on. And so that's the first part where, like, I am now depressed on those numbers. Like, I would agree with you in a vacuum. You know, one example last year, I guess, works because he's also a knucklehead. But, like, I had Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I think it was, three years, 40, I think is what I put out there. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people were like, this is, like, he's going to get, like, $18 million. Like, he's, you know, he can play slot. He's he's physical. He, you know, all that. Yeah. And he signed a one-year, $6 million deal, right? And, like, that happens. Crazy. Yeah, and you're right. Agreed, but like that happens all the time. So, first, I would say, if you're looking at an either or or comparing corner with safety, I think the class in the draft is pretty deep at corner. We obviously talked about a little bit. Maybe we'll circle back and talk more as we go through the off season. Like we're gonna start, I think, talking you know top 100 picks. Maybe you know we'll find some gems as you you and I both watch film more. Going off of just big boards I've looked at and, and just looking at the safety class, like I think there are. Either they maybe use their first-round pick on a guy like a, a Cameron Kitchens at Miami or a Tyler Newbin at Minnesota, two players that I have watched film on and I do really, really like. I also like Kalen Bullock at USC. I think he's at first two-round pick. After that, I, I don't even know who the next guy off the board is. Like, I like Javon Board at Georgia, but I struggled at times to tell, like, is he winning because they're getting pressure so often? Yeah, you know, like Michael Walker on the edge. Like, like just like, like just wrecking plays. Obviously, the interior is mm-hmm. so good. 
And that's where I come back to. Like, I think they could address corner more in the draft. So maybe they say, let's make our defensive back spending be in free agency. And I'll go to this, though. My favorite option, if you take all those factors into consideration, the versatility and then the, the price point is Julian Blackman from the Colts. So, ah, probably, that was mine, too. Let's go. So no, I was just like, about to bring him up. Yeah, go boom. ahead. So I'll give you my spiel, and I want to hear your yeah. thoughts as well. So he was fascinating to me because he was – the first three years of his career, he was literally – so people that don't know, Gus Bradley in Indianapolis has led the NFL in the rate of cover three used every year, I think like five years in a row, at least for our internal – you know, and it's hard to identify coverages all the time, but like outlier level cover three. And Julian Blackman, the first three years of his career, was always the deep third free safety. Like that's just where he roamed. He has good range. He's a former corner. He played slot in college a little bit. Um and they just put him in the back. This year, he played a ton down in the box. And they put him, again, on some number three receivers. And he made a lot of splash plays. He had more defensive stops this year with 30 than he had in his first three years combined. And actually didn't miss tackles. I thought he was a pretty good, like, you know, just like square up to, to, an, to an offensive player. Don't get shook. Just make the tackle. But he obviously has the ability also to play in the deep third, be the roamer, be the free safety. I To me, and again, my, my projection there is two years, uh, was it two years, about $12 million. I think it's a, that's where it's going to end up. I think he's a good player, not a special player. They've drafted a bunch of safeties recently. I think he does hit the market, and I think he's he could be a potentially perfect fit for the price point and what he brings to the table. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think he's just a good football player when he's been healthy, um, and I think it, his best football could be ahead of him. You know, He's a guy that was corner in college, moved to safety, had a real fa fast start. Uh, defense wasn't even great, and then he ends up getting hurt, missed some time, and then they had the, all these other safeties, and so it was like kind of a glut of players. And when he's played, though, I think he's been more impressive than not. Uh, you mentioned the versatility kind of expanding this year and him being able to play near more near the line of scrimmage. We know what he's capable of at free safety. Uh, could he kick into the slot at times as well? Uh, defensively, he's a good fit. You mentioned just how much single high he played in Indianapolis, and Pittsburgh obviously plays a lot of single high as well. So he could be interchangeable with Minka as well, which I like because you can maximize Minka's skill set too. So and and then affordable, you know, because Geno Stone, you know, is an interesting player because he's been a free safety this year in Baltimore, but the sample size is small. He was a kind of a part-time player before this year. And there's so like there's just limitations of what he could do. He's not a great athlete. And so what do you do with him? Like if he comes near the line of scrimmage and you want him to blitz or or play the run or tackle in space, I think you've got lots of concerns there with him. He's kind of used in a very unique way in Baltimore. I could see whoever pays him if they if they overpay him, maybe they won't kind of regretting it a little bit um, and and maybe not it is not a good fit somewhere else outside of a McDonald defense. So I have some concerns there, whereas Blackman I like a lot because I think that he's a scheme fit. He's versatile. Now that he's healthy, his best football could be ahead of him, I think. 2022 was him getting back to health, I think. And then 2023, I think this year when I watched him, I thought he was pretty good. Um, for them and so and he's made plays in the ball too at different times in his career like I've seen the ball skills his interception numbers I don't know if they're nuts or anything let me see how many he's got no, but he had a beautiful one against the Patriots in Germany this year like a really nice yeah. play Um, and then one other that I'm blanking who it was against but like it wasn't just a run-of-the-mill tip pass into your hands it was like a nice interception yeah four picks this year he's in uh, uh, seven of his course of his career and he's not you know the middle two years he there he wasn't really near to doing a full-time guy and he's he's played he has two 900 plus snap seasons but he only had 376 snaps in 2021 he's been kind of just an all-around solid player during that whole time and so yeah i would be a big fan of of that move especially because i think it's affordable 
and it wouldn't break the bank for them. This is one of those moves that it's probably not going to be a big deal in terms of your cap, what they do at this position, just because, okay, you're not going to sign Xavier McKinney for 12 and a half per year, per year projection. You'll sign Julian Blackman for half of that and probably get a very comparable player is probably how they're going to look at it and probably how they should look at it cap-wise, especially if you get one of the top courts. But if you get Snead, obviously, you know, you're thinking, okay, what are the more discounted options? And there's a couple of them. I don't even think it's just Blackman. Wouldn't Jordan Whitehead be a great fit in Tampa Bay? I mean, in in uh, Pittsburgh, now that he played it, when watching him play in Tampa Bay and play in the box, and then be more of a single high guy in New York and still be a good player. He was a single high guy in college, and so I think there's versatility there. He's tough as nails. Um, he'd fit in there, I think, really well. He's only 27. Um, I would love that fit, uh, for, especially because that's probably going to be pretty cheap. Um, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who you just mentioned, is a free agent because of the one year deal. Wouldn't he be a Steelers personality to add to the mix? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he gives them an edge. He can play in the slot. He's a great run defender. He's very physical. The ball finds him. I mean, he makes plays in the ball every single year. Um, so I I wouldn't mind that fit, even though he could be another enigmatic personality to add to the room. But I like players who can give you an edge some. Deshaun Elliott has not been a bad player either, you know, and still is pr- is pretty young too. So there are a lot of options here for them. They, and they can mess it up, but I, I don't know that they, you know, I, the, a player like Jordan Fuller to me, not as good of a fit. Like you need specific yeah. schemes for him. I think uh, he plays in mostly two high looks and he has throughout his career. And when it's had uh, more has been asked of him, it hasn't gone well. Another subpar athlete, I think, but some of those guys, you know, I like Whitehead, Gardner Johnson, Blackman. I'd feel good about any of those three guys. If you're going for one of those lower level contracts. I'll touch on Geno Stone just because, like, I think when a guy has, what, seven interceptions, is playing, you know, in the AFC Championship game, you're going to hear about him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, they've played big nickel and, like, big dime packages more in Baltimore than probably any team in the NFL. I mean, he's been a third safety on the team with, uh, you know, um, Marcus Williams and, obviously, Kyle Hamilton. So, he, yeah, he is exclusively, like, you're talking about versatility. I think he can only be a deep third free safety. I mean, he missed 19% of tackle opportunities this year. He had a 33 run defense grade for us. And when I watched on tape, I, I was like, yeah, that, that checks out. Like, that he, you know, the ball production's there. He, he is a rangy player. Like, he's not, I agree, he's not a great athlete. I think he's pretty good instinctually of knowing where to break. I think he breaks, like, a step faster, and it put him in some positions. But I also think a bunch of the, the, the picks and whatnot were – not a bunch. He had, he had seven. Like, it's impressive. But I think when I saw, like, three of them were either tipped by a, a corner and kind of fell into his hands. And, again, these are still plays. I'm not trying to, like, denigrate what he did. But I, no, I just – it matters, though. Yeah. yeah. It matters. And he's the perfect example How you example get your where, production is big because that projects – you can't project a guy to tip the ball to you every time when you're going yeah. to a new team. But you yeah. can project how you – drive on a vertical route from a, from a middle safety position. So, yeah, it matters a lot. 100%. 100%. So, he's a perfect example where two years ago, I probably would have projected him for $12 million a year. And, I, like, I'm just not going to make that mistake again. So, and now he'll probably sign for 15. But, uh, so, like, Jordan Fuller is the good shout. He legitimately plays in his deep quarter. Like, that's what he does. He had, like, 700 yeah. snaps this year as the left deep safety, like, which is, like, with these subcategory. Yeah, like, they just, they play quarter, quarter, half, cover six. They play quarters. Um, that's just what they do. I don't think he's a great fit. Whitehead, I'm with you. And obviously, you know Whitehead very well from the Bucks. Another guy that can come down and make plays at the line of scrimmage. Had the actually lowest average depth of tackle just means like how far beyond the line of scrimmage you are. Um, before he signed with the Jets, he had the lowest average depth of tackle among free agent safeties that year. Um, but also is pretty good in coverage. Had the what he had three picks of Josh Allen this year. Uh, two of them were really nice plays. Like he's he's again like. This is the beauty of this position in free agency. You can get starting caliber good football players 
for these mid-rate deals. Um, and yeah, we agree on Chauncey. That's honestly more a question of just like him as a person than it is a player. Elliot, I would say when I watched him, I also think he is, you'd want him not exclusively, but mostly as a deep third guy. Um, and I, I don't want to say that I can assess this from tape, but look, I, if you watch the all 32 and a big play happens and a teammate is pointing at the guy or yelling at the guy for a busted coverage. It felt like that happened to Deshaun Elliott a decent amount of times. So that's, that's all I'll say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he would be more of a third safety option to me. Yeah. Like, kind of like this SMB type, whereas, like, if you struck out on the rest, maybe he could be a gap filler for you. But the rest, I mean, yeah, you get lower down here. Darnell Savage is some, what a mystery he is. I mean, I think his potential could be really high still because, you know, 26 years old as well, but it just has not happened for the guy. Like, it, it's, it's, like he can be, like, you saw his play against, uh, who was it in the, Um, you know it's like there this guy is in there but you just can never like he can make like really good instinctive plays on the ball but it just never seems like it's happened consistently for him like and there's a ton of mistakes thrown into the midst of those really good plays which can make him a very frustrating player um you know you go in bargain bin mike edwards is another player you know talk about ball production and he can play free safety. He can't really step down that much um, because he's smaller, but he'll be aggressive in the box. He's not going to be totally lost there. He's played, he played some of the slot for Tampa Bay. I don't think it was great Um, for Kansas city. He's basically been mostly a deep safety uh, and that's probably where he's best. He's not a great athlete. He's not that big. So there's limitations to him, but he does make plays in the ball. His, I bet his interception to snap ratio is one of the highest in NFL history for a player. I'm not even kidding. When you count postseason or especially pass breakups too, like when you, like he makes a lot of plays on the ball for a guy who's probably going to be what one year, three and a half million. So even if you're just talking about another player to add and no, and there's no market for him, like there wasn't this past season, why not like try and pick him up? That's like not much more than, than a, one of these guys are going to sign for close to the minimum. So I would be, um, I'd be pretty excited about those kind of additions too. Jeremy chins, your last one here. What a, I have no idea what's going to happen with him in free agency. It feels like the whole league's been intrigued by him forever, but I said it like the same when he was coming out. I'm like, I get it, but what does he do on a football field that really helps you win? Like, remember when he was in, people were like, Jeremy chin should be in defensive rookie of the year conversations. And I was like, I watch the Panthers almost every week. Like I'm scouting the NFC South. I'm seeing that like he's not that good. Like he got he recovered like four fumbles to bounce right to him. I'm like, yeah. And sure enough, like he hasn't been that good since then and actually kind of fell out of played 285 snaps this year, 684 the year before. So a a true project for somebody who's willing to like work that way. And as a third guy, if you were gonna say yeah. we're bringing in Jeremy Chin to be a third guy, maybe that's interesting because he gives you some level of defensive versatility if you can get him to buy in. So he's right. We're like, again, I'm, I've been like getting flack for how low he is. Like I, I do also try very hard to now, and again, this is subjective, but like who were they working with? Was the building a problem? Look, Carolina, yes. But Ajiro Vero, I think is a phenomenal defensive coordinator who came into Carolina, who people forget led the Broncos to have like one of the best defenses in football last year. Uh, and then they were horrendous this year. I and mean, they kind of righted the ship towards the end of the year, but um, like he, he's a, he's very good. And I think he has a DB background as well. And for him to basically not play Jeremy Chin, I think it kind of tells you a good amount. I mean, they have like what Xavier Woods and um, who's the vet from the former Saint and Bengal um, Von Bell. You know, they signed him in free agency too. Mm-hmm. So like they had pieces there, but like not being able to crack the starting lineup for, for the Panthers, it, there's some signal there. Um, I would just throw in one last name that just barely missed the cut here. Um, 
interesting player that I like coming out of college and it hasn't been a total fit in Miami. I think the issue is Brandon Jones is who it is. Former, mm, I want to say yeah. third round pick. The thing I think happened with him was he was a good fit for Flores and I don't think was a good fit for Fangio. And so he's kind of got washed out. And, and, you know, Deshaun Elliott basically took his job. When Javon Holland went out this year, you know, he played a bunch. Brandon Jones played a bunch more. I think he can play down in the box and play in the deep, um, deep half or deep third of the field. He's just like, again, a guy where it's boomer bust. Like, I think to a degree, makes some nice plays in the ball, but also has some just flat out mistakes. But but he's a good all. I think he's a good all around player. Big, pretty good athlete. Um, it's just more of a kind of, a, again, third safety reclamation project. Not a guy that you're saying, boom, here's our starting safety next to Minka. Like, we're confident in that. I don't think he's quite at that level. But he's cheap, you know, when that's one yeah. of the things. Like, and he can play. Like, I mean, I liked him coming out as well around the line of scrimmage, and I still feel that way about him. Like, if you're just looking to add a third safety who can bang in the box, like, I think he definitely can. And that's what that's what's so disappointing about what they did at safety last year is there are legit options out there that can play a reasonable role for your team for pretty cheap and you got Demonte KZ and Keanu Neal. Like that's that's not an acceptable return for that. I think it's so. That's where I get really excited about this. I think it's a pretty good free agent class at safety. You know, at the top end, but obviously, like even for what the Steelers need and what they can spend, you don't have to break the bank for this position. So I, I am pretty excited to see what they do. They need to make a move at one of these spots. Maybe bringing two of these guys for a total of you know eight per year or something like that. Um, I think if you can find a way to do that, you upgrade this room quite a bit. But they don't mind playing three safeties at a time either. They like when one of these guys can play in the slot. And remember, that's another need for them is a slot. So, you know, just there's no real guy who, like, plays a ton there or plays a ton well or projects that we've talked about here as a traditional slot. We talked about a couple slots uh, last week. Um, you guys don't have a separate just category for slots. No, you don't. Okay, no. Just, just, um, yeah, we probably covered it to a good degree. I'm trying to think of like, so I'm looking at the list now. Also, I do need to ask you, I'll, I'll circle back to the question I have to ask. We got asked about it on Twitter. You probably know where I'm going with that one. But um, Jaron Curse is an interesting name to me. I think he did at times in Minnesota get some slot responsibilities. He's, I think he's like a good athlete, a good football player. I think, again, a guy that just has some lapses. Um, but big physical dude, can make plays. Um, in the run game, just did not have a good year in Dallas by any stretch of the imagination. But anyway, I got to ask you, we got asked about it. You mentioned the top of the show. This brings it all full circle very nicely, but not reaching on safeties. Um, there's a guy named Terrell Edmonds who the Steelers took in the first round a couple of years ago. Some would categorize that as a reach. I think, I think, you know, most would say that. Probably fair. What do you, he's a free agent, got traded to Tennessee, played a little bit there. I think he's not the worst option. Again, like maybe a third option. What, what, do you, what do you think about Terrell Edmonds? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com.
Yeah, he'd be like a bottom of the barrel kind of, you know, who do you need another guy, right? You sign somebody, one of these guys we've kind of been more excited about, and then you need another guy just to round out the room to be ahead of Killebrew, to be your third guy. Uh, who knows that th- your thing? Yeah, I mean, I think they brought him back for a year after his rookie contract expired, and then you know he walked after that. So it wasn't like they were totally out on the guy. He's not good, I think, but like he's not usually going to kill. The thing with me with him is just unbelievable lack of ball skills. Just like we'll be right there and just never touches the ball. It's really like he's a frustrating player to watch because of that. But he's smart. Like he's he's pretty tough. Like he knows like where to be and he can play. He'll play the run. Like, so he's definitely not like a terrible player. And if that's your third safety, I think I, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. There you go. Just had, had to give him a shout. Yeah. I actually didn't see anybody ask about him. That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, okay. Are we ready to turn the page to the, to the draft prospects at this position? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Quick page here. Yeah. Um, there's two safeties in Dane Brogler's top 50. Uh, so I was just perusing top fifties. There's, a three in Trevor's here for PFF, three in his top 61. Yeah, he's got a safety at 61. Um, I've watched a little bit of Cam Kitchens, Kitchens, uh, not really watched much of Tyler Noob, and I know some people are excited about him. Both these guys, pretty big safeties. Uh, Kitchens, six foot, 205. Tyler Noob, and six two two ten. They're the top two safeties for everybody I've looked at so far. I think yeah. DJ, Dan Jeremiah, Brugler, and Trevor have those guys as the top two, I think it looks like. And they're typically thought of as late first to early second round picks. So again, we're just kind of dropping names at you right now. We'll come back to all these guys and do more in-depth scouting reports um, as we get a chance to get into the tape on them. But the knock with Kinchins is the tackling, the run defense, the angles that he takes can be really undisciplined player times. The pro is the ball skills. We've seen this prototype before. It doesn't sound to me on the surface of like what I'd be looking for, but I, I have seen some clips. Some of his picks are really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, I will say like, he's definitely got some impressive plays. He is huge. Um, but I think that uh, I will see more as I get into that tape even further. And then Newbin, um, I actually don't know Newbin super well, other than reading what people have said about him, but seems like a better tackler, a better run defender, uh, which could be a huge plus um, good, better in the box maybe. Um, but I think that there might be some questions about the athleticism, like how big of an, how great of an athlete is he? Yeah, I think he is more just a like smart, like savvy player that knows where to be. Um, had a crazy guy, twenty percent forced incompletion rate. Had five picks. They both had five picks. Um, I agree. Like I like Newbin. I think he's. I don't have a comp, but just like a guy where he probably will fall a little bit and then we'll all, he'll go like, you know, mid second. I'm not saying he's Brian Branch, but like he'll be that where it's like he doesn't test super well and then he goes later than we expect. And everyone's like, oh, why this guy goes so like fall so far? It's like, yeah, because like he's not like the greatest athlete, Um, but he makes a lot of plays. He he does. And I think it's because um, Minnesota also just like runs a good defense that all their players, it seems like their off ball backers are always just like where they're supposed to be. uh, And then none of them get drafted. It kind of in the the same vein. I would only say for him, I didn't see like any like man coverage snaps or slot snaps, maybe because of size or, or whatever. But you saw a little bit with Kinchins. You saw, I don't think I any of it with Newbin. Um, but they're, yeah, they're both good players. Yeah, I think that this seems like a draft class that isn't going to have a lot of safeties graded very highly. Now, one thing I'll say is almost every year we see as the process goes on, safety is one of those positions that when you're watching live, like in games, people like pick, oh, who has the most picks? And like those are the players up near the top. It, with rare exceptions of like a guy who like Derwin Jay is just generation, no matter what you knew, he's going to go high. So I think we're going to get, as the process goes on, 
some safeties that jump into this conversation that aren't in there right now, probably yeah. last year was like the most barren safety. I can remember like at safety, it was just so barren, like in terms of guys that people thought would be difference makers early in the draft. And yeah, so the, this position group, there could be some changes. I haven't seen anybody after those top two guys, nor do I know much about them at this point. I know was it Kalen Bullock is probably the guy from USC, another six, three, one ninety. Like these safeties are big. Um, Rod Moore from Michigan. Uh, those are kind of some of the guys that you see names mentioned up there at times. Jaden Hicks from Washington State. I've seen a couple people say is their kind of sleeper guy. So there'll be names to watch and for us to get to. Right now, my looking at this, whereas corner, I'm like, hit it with a, get get the top free agent, draft two guys. You know, like just splurge at this position, draft the guy. You know, at least um, safety. I'm more like we'll see as I scout some of these guys right now. I would be wanting to get one of these guys that's clearly affordable and probably maybe two of them to restock this room. If I can spend eight, nine million a year to get two safeties in, in the house, one that I know is going to start and be solid for me, and the other one that I think can be solid depth and keep Killebrew in that special team spot, I feel like I've done what the room needs for a pretty affordable rate this year. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll bring up just the last guy that I watched, and and I do think he's maybe a fit. I don't know about their like physical profile. Like We talked about how corners, they want the guys to be big and tall is Javon Bullard at Georgia. I mentioned him earlier, who's 5'11", 195 pounds. He was their slot last year. He played 500 snaps in the slot in 2022, and then this year pivoted to still played 150 snaps in the slot, but you know 350 deep. He is, to me, like, he could be a fit. I, I think he is better against the run, like does not miss a lot of tackle opportunities, um, can come up and make plays. And then I wouldn't say he has great ball skills, but, like, he's not going to – have any many clown plays like I think he's again a guy that is just like assignment sound is a good football player trust what his eyes are telling him doesn't bite on, on like double moves and things of that nature I'm not surprised moving from the slot to safety like I think he is a better fit at, off off you know not being lined up in coverage against somebody else but it's obviously a skill set that he has available to him um and I just it, it's a high floor thing I probably wouldn't take him until the third round but I I wouldn't be mad if the Steelers took him. Um, and I think there is a, a relatively high floor there uh, for Javon Bullard. There we go. Well, so some options there. Uh, Georgia has two safeties in this class, right? Tyke Smith in this? Yeah, Tyke Smith's the other one. 5'10", 205. He was their slot this year. So they kind of flipped. Right. Um, he played 430 snaps in the slot this year. Mm-hmm. Super low average depth of tackle. So he was the guy making plays near the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 53 tackles on the year. Jalen like Petrie knockoff type. Yeah. yeah, Maybe. Um, cool. Well, there's some names to get into for sure, but I, I feel, I think that this lines up the, the key for the Steelers offseason in turn, my opinion in free agency is going to be to some degree. It'll be what they do a quarterback, but also they're kind of limited by what the options are there. There just might not be options. So we'll, we'll just have to wait out that position group and see what's available. But to me, like what they do at this other corner spot, uh, because I think there's going to be options in the draft at corner, like to, to continue to add depth um, to find a slot guy. Uh, but if they can add in two, add two or three players in free agency that help the secondary and then draft two, because it's rare, it's rare that you get this, but they are very similar to the Bucks a couple of years ago, where after the, the Mike Smith era with the Bucks defense and they moved on from, it was like, we just need to, Totally new defensive backs. I think that Carlton Davis was a rookie, very similar to Joey Porter, had just finished his rookie year and impressed them a little bit. But they were basically like, we just need to add everybody. So over the next year, they drafted 
they had drafted Jamel Dean. They drafted Jordan Whitehead. They drafted Mike Edwards. They drafted Antoine Winfrey over the next couple of years. They drafted Sean Murphy Bunting. You know, all of these guys got added to the group at that point in time. And they basically redid the whole room in like a year or two. Um, and it was kind of, that's the process that I feel like right now is in front of Pittsburgh, looking at this room being like, we're too old and slow and bad at all these other positions. Basically we have two guys and we need new people everywhere else, basically. And and that's how I think they need to address it. Was this post Vernon Hargraves or is this some Vernon this Hargraves was, erasure? Vernon Hargraves was in the on the way out. He was the Pat <laughs> Peterson, Levi Wallace of this group. Vernon Hargraves, MJ Stewart. You know, they they drafted MJ Stewart with Carl sure. Davis in that draft. That wasn't working. That guy was bad. So they all of them were up out of there. You know, they had Justin Evans got hurt, the foot. Um so they had to move on from a lot of guys, you know, basically, and re- really replenish the whole room. There were a couple of years. I think they drafted three DBs, and they drafted Dean and SMB in the same class. And I think Whitehead was maybe a part of that one. And they came back maybe the next year, or the year after, in, in Winfield. Um, Edwards was in one of those good drafts as well. So yeah, they they kind of hit it hit it hard. And I think that's uh, basically what what Pittsburgh needs to do this offseason is get serious because they get their their best path to being awesome this season is to just can marginally improve the offense as much as you possibly can with whoever the OC hire is and whoever the quarterback is. There's going to be a lid probably on that side of the ball based on those two things. Um, but then just make the defense one of the best defenses in the league, like scheme-wise, player-wise. Scheme-wise, we'll see. I don't know if it's going to get to the Chiefs-Ravens level, but player-wise, if you can just be like loaded talent-wise on defense, um, that's your best path, I think, to be in to be an awesome long-term it's a questionable path but i've questioned everything about the Steelers' path long-term i'm just saying if i'm playing by their rules this is what's best option is i think so i think with more talent it could open the door to doing more things too like i feel like they're like, like you know like different zone blitzes or maybe even like continuing to use more man and, and trusting your guys to actually hold up on the back end i would just say this too anecdotally i looked it up because i was curious everybody who's you know a, a follower of the steelers knows they aren't big spenders in free agency this couple splashes they made the last decade have been uh, a defensive back. Like, um, you know, again, it's not a, it's not a ton of moves, um, but like, you know, Joe Hayden, we've talked about. Um, I'm now a name is escaping me at safety, but one of their, you know, bigger signings probably seven, eight years ago was at safety. Like when they do foray into the waters of free agency, like they, they are open to spending at DB. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that I think they're going to take it seriously this offseason. I actually have some faith that they're going to like be like, all right, we need to get a guy corner like this is. A mess. So this has been fun. This week, I think we looked at a lot of really good options and talked about fits and then kind of eliminated some people too. So hopefully Steeler fans have a good sense of who to zero in on as who might be potential fits. I know we're still ways off from free. When is free agency open? Is it? It's March like 15th, I think. 15th. Okay. Something like that. Okay. So we're still uh, about uh, a little less than two months away from that. So, which good, because we have plenty of time to watch draft prospects before that madness starts, uh, which I'll look forward to. But Last thing, uh, any thoughts on, we talked about, I know a couple of Steelers OC options, but who they bring in for hire? They brought in uh, um, Thomas Brown from the Panthers. Uh, Rams tree. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to judge too much off this season. It was a complete no. mess, like in so many different ways. Um, I don't think he was a difference maker, but obviously like, it'd be ridiculous to judge him off of that. So. Yeah, but for for people to know what he's alluding to, he was given the play calling duties in Carolina after like two months of Frank Reich struggling, and then like two weeks later, Frank Reich took back play calling duties, and then obviously Reich got fired. So then he did call plays to close the year. I mean, you just can't install and put new things in at that point, that late of the season. So yeah, I agree, he wasn't a difference maker. But you're talking about a guy who came from the McVay tree, who was assistant head coach with the Rams before he left there. Is apparently a guy everyone loves to work for. 
And, and you came from an offense that was like always using motion and doing all these different things to, to create good spacing and free releases. And the, the Panthers, one of the most static offenses in the NFL, he could have, I guess, tried to change it. But you're also then working with like, you know, rookie Jonathan Mingo, rookie quarterback, the offensive line that couldn't hold up for, for three seconds. So I agree. I wouldn't judge him on that. He's probably still a very good candidate. But yeah, they're clearly attacking that McVay tree, um, which is interesting. I'm sure we'll hear more going forward. But yeah, Zach Robinson and Thomas Brown's a pretty good start. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Uh, just that they're moving, looking in the right direction. Young, you know, guys who have come from successful systems, not necessarily relational ties, same generation. You know, it's a good sign for sure. Like, you know, people know I'm always straight up about this team. I tell you, if I didn't think it was, I think it's a good sign. Now, they the, the big part is who they break, the, who make, who the, who gets hired, uh, where they make the move. How many of these names are even getting out there? I think you know, it was a question that could be talking to all the old heads, you know, Babylon Reich and Pep Hamilton and all these guys that, you know, Pep's not that old, but um, that we kind of are like, oh, I don't know if I want to go down that road. Uh, they could be talking to those guys that we just don't know. But uh, based on what we know so far, seems like it's more good than bad. So we'll proceed with some cautious optimism on the show. We'll be back next week. We're talking, I want to talk wide receiver three early next week. And oh, obviously yeah. we might have an OC hire to talk about at some point. So which would we'll change. hold it with an open hand, yeah. Yeah, which would which would inform that discussion a little bit. I'm um, hoping, yeah. Maybe we maybe we should keep riding with defense. Terrell Austin, by the way, two more a two year contract uh, to return. I don't have a freaking clue who does more on defense, Terrell Austin or Mike Tomlin. So I can't really comment. Like, uh, I don't. I think their defensive scheme could be better at, at times. They definitely have some gems at time to time. You know, they're like probably most defense in the league where like, I don't think they're Spags or McDonald, the tier one guys, the Schwartz, you know, although Schwartz has just gotten back to it, but Spags and McDonald, you know, these guys who do it kind of year after year and at a really high level. Like, I don't think they're, they're that level, uh, but I think overall that they're fine. And they obviously have very little t- t- talent to work with in the secondary. So I'm not totally against it. My big thing is just be more prepared week to week, like stop with the dumb penalties, teach your guys good technique, Get the right personnel on the field. Stop taking these dumb penalties. That's such a bad reflection on coaching to me when they get all these defensive 12 men on the field penalties all the time and the late substitutions. And I just wish they were a little bit cleaner at that compared to other top operations around the league. I know it's one of the millions of detail things that drive me crazy about the Steelers, but um, I think that big picture wise, there's it's it's fine. It's, yeah, if, they're, if you're going to keep Tomlin, whatever. Like <laughs> it's a good yeah, the unit's good. It, it, yeah, could be better, but it's definitely not bad. So we're focused on fixing the offense and then adding talent in the secondary. That's that's all. Like you said, we're we're just doing what what, what is reasonable. Uh, to pull off and yeah. and we'll go from there. <laughs> so if we have an OC hire, we'll probably do wide receiver three next Tuesday. If we don't, then we'll probably stick with the defensive side of the ball and maybe go linebacker and just try and address this. Well, who's available? Are they actually upgrades? Where do we spend money? How do you spend it? What do the Steelers actually need a linebacker? You know, look at the, what the realistic off because we know it's a bad draft class at linebacker. That typically doesn't change much, and everybody seems to be on board with that. No, I might have a different opinion when we get to it, but generally speaking, when you hear that from the top guys. NFL teams feel that way. And there's not going to be probably a lot of guys that teams see, oh, I need to grab this guy in the first round at linebacker. So as long as that remains the case, um, then we could have be having different conversations uh about we can touch on some some defensive line depth too, um, a little bit, you know, start getting ready for the the post Cam Hayward days. Uh yeah, so maybe we get we could do that as well. And then let's get the OC. We'll we'll trust me, we'll dive into the offense full throttle. No doubt. Yeah. I'm trying to hit the most interesting position groups for the team. And I don't know how much changes on the D line, but we do need to talk about, I don't think Hayward's going to retire this year, but it's coming. And so 
yeah. what what the plan could be there, I think is is definitely important. You never pass up on a great defensive lineman if you get a chance to draft one. I I feel pretty strong about that and obviously quarterback. So uh, we will go down that road when we get to it. But until then, appreciate y'all. Thanks so much for listening to another week of the Yin's No Ball podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.